These are the true events of November 1965. The Idrang Valley of Vietnam. A place our country does not remember and a war it does not understand. This story is a testament to the young Americans who died in the Valley of Death and a tribute to the young men of the People's Army of Vietnam who died by our hand in that place. To tell this story, I must start at the beginning. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. What is up? And thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews. I don't know, that sounded strange. Can I say that? What is up? No, let's not do that. Hello! That sounds much more uh, official and less lame. Um, so I'll start over. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. I feel like I'm arguing with myself, which is pretty funny. This is episode 121, and today we are talking about We Were Soldiers. I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew Snakeshit Jimison. Hello. <laughs> As always, uh, awkward and short, um, just like Andrew. Uh, and Corny, thank you. don't pee on my mortar, Logan. What I want you to do is I want you to go over that ridge, and that's it. And then wait for a couple days, ignore every other direct order, and come back. Okay. Uh, That sounds uh, easy and dangerous. Uh, Yeah, so let's pull up a comfy chair. Um, Once again, this is our second week in a row with no Sam. He's on vacation with the fam. Um, So he'll be back next week for whatever the hell we're doing. I haven't looked ahead yet. Um, So... Yeah, this is 2002's We Were Soldiers, um, uh, and it's going to be interesting this episode, I, I think, um, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, Andrew, um, if you will please, sir, tell us what was We Were Soldiers. Well, um, I don't know, uh, because... <laughs> <laughs> you forgot. I forgot. Uh, well, let me... Uh... Let me quickly find that because it's on here. Okay. Based on the best-selling book and true story, We Were Soldiers is a war drama which shows the first, excuse me, which shows the story of the first battle between the United States and Vietnam forces. All right. Well, that's actually, uh, that's kind of it. That's what this movie is about. Um, thank you. Um, so... Before we get to uh, the real deep stuff that is this movie, had any had you guys seen this before? I had never seen it. Corny? Um, I remember bits and pieces of this. I remember the scenes where um, uh, his wife, uh, uh, Mel Gibson, Gibson's wife, was going around and delivering um, mm-hmm. the uh, Your Dead letters. And... Uh, that's all I remember. Okay. But, uh, so at some point in time, I did. I don't know. Maybe I was drunk. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> all right. Um, uh, I watched this in the theater. I saw this movie in the theater. Um, What's wrong with you? Well, I don't know. I like movies, and 
Um, this seemed like a good one to go watch. And um, I own this on DVD as well. Uh, and so I have... Uh, I've watched all of the deleted scenes and stuff like that, and I want to. I'll talk about that later because there's a, a deleted scene that I wish wasn't deleted because it really shows emphasis to one of the characters, which is my favorite character in the movie, um, and as will be evidenced by the clips that I pulled for the movie. Um, so, uh, are you gonna pull a clip that doesn't exist? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, is that a thing? That, that, have I done that? No, no, just... Oh. <laughs> sorry, you just pulled out some random clip of another war movie. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> ah, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Oh, wait, wrong movie. Um, no, so this is the part of the show where I ask you guys to do your, your kind of your initial thoughts. So, uh, Andrew, since you have not seen this, and because I always go to you first, please tell us your initial thoughts. Okay. Uh, well, this movie, like I said, I'd never seen it before, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed watching it. It, um, Of course, knowing that it is based on a true event and knowing the lives of people that I know uh, who personally served in Vietnam, it's kind of... It's hard to watch in some places, of course, and hard to think about, but the movie itself... I thought was well done. I don't honestly know if all the events in the movie, I haven't done my homework, were historically accurate. Um, but that aside, I enjoyed watching it and uh, I thought it was done very well. Okay. Uh, Corny. <clears throat> I, I kind of hate actual war movies. I don't know why. Because, um, I mean, it had all the elements that I do love in a movie, explosions, death, gunfire. Um, witty, witty banter. Um, but I don't know. I guess it's just hard. I have to think about it, but I, I really enjoyed this movie. Like, um, uh, I, I watched it over two days cause my schedule doesn't allow me to actually sit down for more than a couple hours unless I'm playing music. And, uh, I watched about the first hour or so. And then I was late to something <laughs> because I kept watching. And then, uh, of course I watched it as soon as I got home today and, uh, I was very pleased. Um, I, I got to be honest that I thought that maybe it ended too happy. Um, I kind of wanted, um, I, I don't know, I feel like it cheated a little bit by giving us a little bit of a happy ending, uh, a, well, a bit of a happy ending, I should say. But otherwise, I, I really liked the movie. Okay. It's interesting. I, I want to I explore that happy ending with you in a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, so I... Uh, um, um, Again, I own this on DVD. Now, that if you've been listening to this show for at least a few episodes, maybe not all 120, you'll know that I own movies that I don't like. Um, but because I didn't know that, they were just cheap at Walmart or Blockbuster when that was a thing, and I just bought it. Like, I own Fantastic Four on DVD. Um, <laughs> and I kind of hate that movie, uh, but it was cheap. and so I, so. But this isn't that case. I, I watched this in the theater. I really liked it. I, I bought it on DVD. I've watched the behind the scenes. Uh, I, I like this movie a lot. Um, but it's probably been, I mean, it's probably been eight, nine years since I've watched it. And I had forgotten how hard this movie is. Um, mm-hmm. this, this movie, uh, and Corny, you have the benefit of having taken a break. Like you, 
you watched it and then you got to take a break and go do some fun things and then work and then some and then some fun things and then you finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Andrew, I think you and I, you you sat and just watched it, right? Yeah. Um, so and I, I can't speak obviously for you, and I'll let you speak to this. But for me, it's emotionally draining. It really is. Um, yeah. I just. Uh, and so that's why, Corny, I mentioned that you got to break. I don't know if it was like that for you or not. Um, but the break kind of is really, it's training sequence. And then an, an initial fight, I think, is about an hour. And then the second hour is like when the meat the meat meets the metal, I think is the phrase that he uses. Um, the, meets, meets, the meat meets the metal? Meat meets the metal, yeah. That, that, the last, I mean, the last hour is intense uh-huh. and hard and um, I kind of had forgotten how kind of literally breathtaking it is, as in there were moments that it was hard to watch and hard to breathe. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how are we supposed to make an entertaining podcast about this movie? Because it's so serious and dark and about such a hard and real subject. And then I figured, well, with the three of us, we'll find a way to at least make the show somewhat entertaining. Well, um, we did say meat seven times just now. Yeah. Just so um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is how I know I couldn't have been in the Army, because he would have been like, and this is where the meat meets middle. <laughs> yeah, and you snicker a little bit. Um, what was that, soldier? You said meat, sir. I'm sorry. I love meat. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just want bacon now. Um, I had bacon for dinner. and um, Just bacon? Oh, well, that and another meat, but um, oh, okay. bacon was a part of said meat, and... Um, I've not made a better decision today. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm really glad for you, pal. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, like I said, 2002's We Were Soldiers uh, stars Mel Gibson. Um, and and as, as happens in war movies where you have to have a cast, a large cast, because you have to for war movies typically, unless it's movies like Lone Survivor or Shooter or whatever where you can do a small cast, you're going to get a big cast. So you get Mel Gibson... Uh, Madeline Stowe is his wife. Uh, she's in a handful of things, but nothing I remember. Uh, Greg Kinnear, who's great. Sam Elliott, who is the man, and he genuinely terrifies me. Um, what do you say, boy? Right. Uh, Chris Klein, who was dude what was from American Pie movies. Uh, Carrie, yeah. Carrie Russell, who is the hot one. Uh, Barry Pepper. Uh, he's, he's Barry Pepper is great in everything that he does, and he needs to be in more things. Um... You had your um, your your Clark Gregg, also known as Agent Coulson, in this. Mm-hmm. That would um, explain why he's uh, he knows Captain America. Oh yeah, because yeah, they were both soldiers. John Hamm is in this. Uh, you uh, friends, fans of the uh, uh, the Mad Men, there. Um, still smoking. Still, he's just still smoking. Yeah. Uh, and there's some other people that I'm trying to remember if I recognized or not. Uh, there might have been a few more, but I can't remember. Um, but anyway, so it's a big cast, and and uh, Agent Coulson was great. And even in the movie, uh, he dies. Spoiler. But then I thought, oh, that's okay. No. Nick Fury will find him and put him back together, and <laughs> he'll be back for the for the TV show. Put him back together. Yeah. Well, that's what they do in the show. Did you not know that? Sorry, if I just spoiled no, something. That's okay. Oh. Because that's they they basically they put them back together for Agents of Shield, um, and in fact, in the new season of Agents of Shield, he has uh, a bionic prosthetic. 
that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I know what that means. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's reliable with the ladies. <laughs> well, I mean, he, uh, he has a he has a mechanical hand, is what it is, basically. Mm. So basically, it oh. could be, yeah, you know, maybe maybe it has a vibrate function. I don't know. Um, oh, this is getting weird. Um, he's actually gonna be Doctor Claw later on. <laughs> yeah. He's stroking some cat. How could you get it yeah, next exactly. time? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, that was Add that to my list of voices I can do. Right. Uh, so this was one of those movies that um, Mel Gibson did. It didn't. It didn't really make a whole lot of money. Um, it only cost seventy-five million to make. I say only, but um, a lot of practical effects. So there wasn't a whole lot of CG. Some of the helicopters and some of the planes were CG, but for the but all the explosions were were real fire, uh, things like that. Uh, it only made $78 million, so it didn't really make, you know, it didn't lose money. It broke even, but um, but uh, like we've talked about, it's it's kind of it's kind of a hard movie. But the, the one thing that I really like about the movie is that the director knew that this was going to be hard, right? The battle scene is going to be rough. So we're going to put some fun at the beginning. Right, we're gonna put some joy. We're gonna have a, a guy become a dad. Which the moment he became a dad, you're like, oh, he's gonna die. Oh, he just became uh, a red shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, yeah, exactly. And you know, you got Samuel Light with the great one-liners, and um, you know, Greg Kinnear with his 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 snake shit bit and too tall and stuff like that. So you had a lot of kind of fun at the beginning of the of the movie, as it builds up, the tension builds towards the fight. Um, and then you have the fight itself, and within the fight, there's a couple of lev- brevity, is that the word? You know, kind of light moments, but again, for the most part, it's not. So, um, uh, yeah, so I- I'm actually curious, Corny, I want to go back to your, your intro. You said it kind of ends happy. I'm actually curious, because my understanding of, of the ending of the movie is that it's, it, it it paints kind of a rough picture, and well, um, and I guess in that situation, um, you know they're overrun, they're surrounded, um, and of course you have those things where he takes the random shot and it hits something, but it doesn't hit him, and turns around and kills the enemy. And then you've got the uh, one guy who runs up and is gonna stab him, but he turns around and headshot. I mean things like that. In my mind, he should have died. They, they all should have died or uh, I don't know. And I don't, I don't know. It, it could have happened. And I don't know well, how true that is. Well, what we but know in my f- mind, him coming. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I'm just in my mind. I, I don't see everyone coming back. And I well, don't particularly see him coming back because of an act of bravery. Well, I will say this. Regardless of whether or not that particular moment when the dude went to bayonet him and he turned around and shoots him in the head and says, getting kind of sporty down here, whether that actually happened, who knows? That might be Hollywood. What is real is how Moore did live because uh-huh. the, the, the movie is based on the book that he wrote. So, um, so he did live. That's not Hollywood. And all of the men that did survive were real. Um, and all of the men that died, when they actually died. Yeah, I read somewhere that they made sure that when they filmed the movie that there was somebody representing each person from their actual platoon mm-hmm. in the movie. And, you know, whether they had a name or not or whether they were on screen, 
a lot or not. They made sure that there was somebody representing each person. Right. So so that part is actually accurate. So I don't know if that, Corny, if that actually makes the movie better or worse for you. I don't know. I guess that's for you to decide. But yeah, that part, that stuff's real. So again, how it was depicted, I don't know if that's real or not. I mean, that might be Hollywood and it might be him trying to sell a book. You know, I mean, for all we knew, he, he stood by that termite mound and, and was never shot at at all. You know, the bit where the, I think we're talking about like someone, sh- like he gets shot in the, the flashlight and he just turns and looks over and then he, he takes out about five or six guys. I mean, who knows if that's real, but, um, you know, I, I would bet that the majority of that stuff that happened that we saw was real, which is incredible to think that 4,000 men, I mean, this is another story of basically the story of the 300, right? Where instead of 300 versus a million, it's what, uh, 450 versus 4,000. Mm-hmm. And though they didn't win, they didn't lose, which is kind of what the Vietnam War was um, to think about. Did that, did that help make it worse? Anything, Corny? No, I mean, it, Okay, well, I'll say this. So I can I can agree with the ending. I still don't like... I mean, sorry. When odds are like that are happening and, and the, you know, the movie ends and people escape and things are good, I just don't see that. Hmm. And, and, I, and I get that it's real and I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying that we see movies like this and... Well, sorry, not me. Not like this. We see movies where you have overwhelming odds... And the people, you know, the good guys always get out, which makes movies great. And then a movie like this, I expect more death. There was a lot of death. Don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody was dead. But I did, I don't know. I just wanted more death. I kind of wanted, maybe I just wanted Mel Gibson to die. (laughs) Maybe that's all I cared about. (laughs) That's a possibility. Okay. Well, I mean, I. I, No, it doesn't really change my opinion. I mean, Okay. Oh, sorry. Well, that's no. I'm, no, it's fine. I am. Um, uh, um, okay. It's your opinion. Hey, <laughs> that's why we do this show. So get your opinion. Um, but I just, yeah, I just, I just want you to be very aware that um, I would bet that the majority of what we saw was fairly, fairly how it went. Now, I think Hollywood took a little bit of license with the concept that um, I, I referred to it as the chess match, like. Yeah, the Vietnam generals or the Vietnamese generals like, all right, we need the creek bed. And then a second later, he goes, we got to secure the creek bed. That's vital. And then he says, go flank them. And he's like, they're going to flank us. And then he does this. Like, and it, like it was it was literally like an episode of Leverage when Nate has the camera point at the bad guy and the bad guy is saying this is what we're going to do so we can counter it. I mean, yeah, it was a little too much like that. But as a movie, it worked to me. I liked it as the movie. In real life, that seemed too convenient, I think. Well, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. So I believe that more than I believed him, him surviving. Well, I, I don't have a problem with Mel Gibson surviving. Again, he's a colonel, right? He's not going to be near the fighting, right? He said he's the first to step up and the last to leave. But he has to, he has to command his troops from a central location. So... I mean, in, in all fairness, he probably only got shot at a, a handful of times. It wasn't like he was on the front lines, you know? Um, uh, it, I mean, if, if, if it's, 
of anyone to the fact that they survived, the fact that any of those men from the Knoll survived is amazing. So, you know, Gary Bertier from, you know, um, yeah, I only called him Bertier. Like, yeah. It's only the only <laughs> Though Sergeant Savage is a pretty quick, pretty freaking cool name. Yeah. It is. <laughs> uh, and he's a, and he's a great character and he's a great, like, isn't he a GI Joe? And uh, wasn't he a wrestler? I, th- I think so. Like all of those things I think are real and maybe they're all based off of him, the person, you know, who knows? But he was awesome, and his character, like if that that man was real, because that scene when they all dive, right? Like they've become surrounded, and then the lieutenant, um, and you see like this in especially Vietnam movies where the lieutenant's in charge of the platoon, and he's an idiot, right? Or the squad, I guess. And he's like, you know, follow me, and, and he's like, wait, no, stop, we shouldn't, but I have to follow your orders, and. And then he's like, follow me. And then he gets shot. And then the next guy stands up and then gets shot. And then the third guy stands up. And then finally Bertier is like, well, I guess I'm in command. So stay down. Um, like the fact that they survived is amazing. Um, now, again, they had artillery, um, which that to me is, is amazing too. The fact that he can call out a coordinate and he can have five miles away, some dude pull a trigger and blow up a specific tree, you know? Oh yeah, that that stuff is is truly fascinating to me. That's what I need, but to deliver beer, that would be awesome. I need I need beer uh, delivered to the previous establishment. <laughs> Alpha Bravo. I need Charlie. a nice cold can from the Rocky Mountains. The Niner Five Six Four. That's right. And then you hear uh, Sam Elliott's voice say, "The banquet beer," and then he comes flying in. I like this idea. <laughs> this, like that, this part, that part. That <laughs> part. That part of the movie actually made me really stop and think for a while. Like, you know, when these guys were were fighting, they didn't have night vision. They didn't have uh, GPS. They didn't have all the technology that we have now. And this was, uh, you know, this was pretty much like off the cuff, right. so to speak, without well, – not off the cuff. That sounds like they – that's not what I mean. Yeah, but, uh, but they're kind of having to make stuff up based off their training. I mean, yeah. those radios they had, good God, it took a dude just to carry one. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, no, you're right. That that scene, that bit when they're they're lying there on the grass, right? And then the kid says, I can smell them. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, you're just smelling the body. He's like, no, I can smell them. And then he calls for illumination, and then he, they take care of business. Like, that, that bit was um, like that's to your point, Andrew. You're right. Like these guys, it's all about their training, and it's just it's it's truly amazing that those guys survived. Um, so be interesting. Oh no, please go go. I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if uh, the guy just happens to smell a particular type of cologne or something, and it just happens to go downwind? Or I mean, yeah, I know, I, I know it's not that, but you know, what if that was the thing that gave away their position? Yeah. Because, you know, Johnson over there, well, I know it's not Johnson, but, uh, hey, man, we're, we're, we're going to go kill some uh, Americans. Nah, I'm just going to put the stuff on. I, don't ever get, I never get to wear it. <laughs> it's going to be the death of us. Yeah. Nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> hey, dude, do you smell Chanel number five? I do. It, it, Light them up, boys. It, it could have, they could have done that and not made it comedic, but they could have had that moment where, like, they showed because they showed that one radio guy, guy right, who was about to bayonet Mel Gibson, write the note to his wife, and then yeah. put it in his jacket, so that we could follow him and actually have a little bit of emotional moment when Mel Gibson plugs him in the head. But we, they could have. It would have been an interesting thing had like 
they're all eating soup or something, right? Like they're all eating their, their noodles, right? And then they get called in to do this fight. And so like this one, he's like, I smell noodles. Yeah, they're, they're coming. You know, you know that might have been racist. I don't know. But I was like, that, that might be. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, truth be told, in, in this kind of situation where you're out in God knows what kind of, uh, you know, weather and climate and you haven't bathed and, you know, it could really be some pungent body odor that uh, you could really smell someone. Yeah, probably could. Um, the, all right. So this has always kind of bothered me about the movie. Now in a movie like this, and this happens, right. And I've, you know, I've seen this movie at least 10 times and even movies like mm-hmm. Black Hawk Down and Saving Private Ryan, um, and other war movies, again, where you have large casts when you have a character who you haven't seen on screen in a while, he comes in, you forget who he is. So, the, after the first day of fighting, Greg Kinnear comes back, right? And he, he gets out of the helicopter, and this guy comes up and he's like, you led my men, blah, blah, and he gets mad, and Greg Kinnear loses it and draws his weapon on this guy, and then they push him away, right? Mm-hmm. Who was that guy? I don't know who he was. I still don't know who he was. The guy who walks up? Yeah, the guy who gets mad at him, and he's like, oh. hey, snake shit, you led the, my men into the battle, into a hot LZ. I'm like... Wait, who are you? Like, what? Why are you mad? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. he is. Uh, he's either one of the pilots when they are. When, so in the first LZ, and they're like, "Hey, we need to get in there," um, and he goes in. That one guy gets shot down. Um, because the, they're with the med back guys. Yeah. Um, he is either their commander. Yeah. Or a pilot. The only thing I, the med, him being in charge of the medevac dudes makes the most sense. To me, uh, because Greg Kinnear is in charge of his helicopter group. Like, those are his pilots. So, he's responsible for their lives. But I don't understand how Dude Man gets mad at Greg Kinnear for trying to save the lives of other troopers. That scene has never made sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. And again, well, I don't remember, I don't know who that guy is, right? He just comes out of nowhere and attacks Greg, and he and again he pulls that thirty eight on him, sticks him in his face, and said, "You you you have the balls. To, you don't have the balls to face the enemy. You're going to come after me or something like that." Like, I mean, I I get that why he's Greg is upset, but it, it seems strange. That that scene has always seemed strange and out of place to me personally. Um, but um. I will say this. So part of what we do in this particular podcast is we also kind of say the good things and the bad. And I think this is otherwise a very, very great film that has a lot of really good things. But the one thing that I hate with a capital H, I think it's awful. I think it's cheesy. I think it does a disservice to the movie is when Barry Pepper decides to put down the rifle and pick up the camera and you've got all these black and white stills and they superimpose him doing these action shots of him taking pictures. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I yep. really do. I'm right there with you. When I when I saw that portion, I said, all right, this is kind of losing me here because it took me out of what was going on. Right. You know, okay, these are these are pictures of what happened. Great. That's nice. But do we have to superimpose him over top of it? You like, don't. no. You don't. You can... 
if you want to do that, I think there's two ways you do it that makes the movie better. One, you just see him pick up the camera and then you just have a little Ken Burns slideshow for a minute of the pictures he took. Now, in fairness, the pictures we saw on screen were not ones that that character, that the actual person took. Those were all production shots. That makes it even worse. Well, no, it kind of makes me sad that they couldn't use actual photos. The other thing that I would have enjoyed him doing then is showing him actually going up to people and taking pictures and then showing us the still. Actually showing him walking into the grass and snap the photo and then we see the snapshot. Uh-huh. I would have liked that even better. Um, instead of that cheesy, weird... I or mean, you, you know, I even thought, why don't we leave this out and do it at the credits? You know, or yeah. I don't know. I would, yeah, that would have worked too, is during the credits have pictures of the men during the fight um, and after as they're resting and whatever. I would have been very good with that. Yeah. Um, okay. Question for Corny. And Andrew, you can certainly chime in if you know the answer. I don't know the answer. This isn't a trick question. Um, Corny, are you with me? I just pulled Andrew. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, start cussing you there. So we're gonna, we're gonna obviously I'm gonna give the soundtrack grade later on, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I love the soundtrack to this movie. I think it's amazing. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that the dude man that did it did a phenomenal job, and I don't know his name. Um, I'm gonna uh, man comma dude. Uh, I'm gonna look it up in just a second. But while I'm looking that up, um, the the movie opens after the the French are they're killed. Uh, Nick Glenn Smith, uh, Glenny Smith. Okay. Um, um, he is, um, just while I'm looking up, he is known for, he hasn't really done a whole lot. He, he, he did the soundtrack to, um, wait, that's not right. It says composer, the rock 96 is the rock. No, Hans Zimmer did the rock. Okay. Now I'm really confused. And angry. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I know I know Hans Zimmer did. Because it's very Hans Zimmery. Um anyway. Hans my, Zimmery, Hans Zimmery. Okay, it literally <laughs> says music <Hans> by <laughs> Music by Nick Glennie Smith and Hans Zimmer. Okay, so they both worked on it. Fine. Um The music you heard was not completely his. Well maybe so maybe he and he and uh um so he did that, Fire Down Below, Home Alone 3, The Man in the Iron Mask, The Lion King 2, uh, Highlander Endgame, this movie, <laughs> uh, Ella Enchanted, um, Secretariat, and Heaven is for Real, which is the same movies that the director filmed. So he hasn't really done a lot. Now he's done as what's called the music department, as like conductor. He's done Batman versus Superman, Pixels, The Little Princess, All Night Run, Transformers, Million Dollar Arm, Amazing Spider-Man 2. So he's done about a thousand where he was either the music arranger or the conductor. So that's cool. Um, you get to conduct somebody else's music. I and mean, that's actually kind of cool. I'd be okay with that. Right. That'd be a cool job to have. What's your <laughs> job? I get to conduct John Williams' Williams's music. Okay. You know, I mean, that's pretty much what I do. Technically, every now. band director is that guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I was gonna. That's what he does now. That's what we all do. Or, what I what I used to do in a, a long time ago. Yeah. 
That's what I do in my car as I drive listening to my film soundtrack. I kind of miss it. Um, and then I think of kids. I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> um, so anyway, my point is that where I was going with is the drum, right? The drum itself, it has a metallic sound to it. How do they do that? Yeah. So literally you find, and Andrew, you'll, I guess you'll see this a lot more now, but uh, composers just find all kinds of random things like, hey, hit this one random thing. Mm-hmm. Um, here, here's a break from a car drum. Hit that. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, here's a stuffed dolphin. Hit that. <laughs> no, no, it has to be a dolphin. It's the, the specific sound <laughs> that I want to hear. So, no, I, I mean, on, on, honestly, it was probably just, hey, here's the back of one of those chairs that you get in high school. Yeah, just hit that. Okay, so you're saying that um, it might not have been an actual snare drum with some kind of um, attachment to it. You're saying no, that it could I'm, have I'm been thinking, some other kind of strange thing to hit. I'm thinking you just double the part. You you do a snare for the t- you know, part of that traditional sound and then something that will get that kind of reverb sound. I mean, I know a guy who arranges percussion stuff and he will he will – hit things and go, that's the ring I want, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. So I, I can see that being a thing. Okay. Um, and here I just thought all drummers had ADD when really they are just hitting things to test what they sound like. Nice. No, no, that too. No, we totally <laughs> have it. Um, because I, I've heard that sound in other, mainly war movies though, because it's usually like war movies, um, patriotic movies that feature a lot of snare in uh-huh. their um um you know in their soundtracks and and I was just trying to it it could also be a digitally altered sound you know you can take a snare sound and and uh run it through a processor yeah which could be what happened and Hans Zimmer does that quite a bit actually yeah i know he does he also likes his um he likes the techno. That's like his one of his favorite genres, and you can really tell in some of his like the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh-huh. It's a little technoy. Um, uh, I'm actually as um, as we've been talking, uh, I've actually been skim- skimming through the um, message boards just to see if anyone said anything about it, and no one did. And it's not in the trivia, so uh, I guess I will probably never know what the actual sound was that how they produced it, but. Um, I was wondering, it was just, it was a cool sound, you know? So, I mean, and it, I don't know, I I guess part of me wants it to be natural and acoustical, like not being processed is what you were talking about. Like I, for, like I want it to be, they, somebody built a cast iron drum kit or a cast iron snare, you mm-hmm. know, and it gives it a weird metal metallic sound or there's Which is also a possibility. Yeah, or they're hitting it with a weird type of stick or something. Anyway, uh, we've spent too much time on that. Anyway. Um, you can never spend too much time on sticks. Well, that's and, and hitting things. I will say this, Corny. You'll, you'll appreciate this. So we had a concert in, the, uh, in my building last week, and I had kind of new guys running sound. So the, the band guys went to go eat dinner. And I'm like, hey, drummer, do you mind if I sit in and actually do sound check so that we, because they didn't have a lot of time for sound check after dinner. I mm-hmm. said, do you mind if I go ahead and sit behind you? He said, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Go for it. And um, I don't know if you saw, you have a missed call from me. That's because I accidentally kind of broke his hi-hat. I was trying to call you to help me fix it. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was able to figure it out eventually, but I was, I was really scared for a few minutes. We'll talk off here what the hell I did. But anyway... 
Um, so I'm, so this is how awful it was, right? I'm back there giving him four on the floor, right? Four kicks on the bass drum, you know, boom, 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 boom. And he's yelling at me. All right. So what should I kind of EQ should I do? And so I like, I, okay, I can't get up. And then, so I'm literally like yelling back and forth, what kind of EQs and it was, um, uh, it was a funny sight. You would have enjoyed it, Corny, and just, just needless to say. What I should have done is hooked my iPad up to the mixer and then done the EQ for him so he could have seen what I meant. But I didn't think about it at the time because I was too busy trying to fix his stupid hi-hat. Um, what, what, uh, what function did it do? Did it just stop being able to close and open? Oh, well, okay. <coughs> so basically when he left for... Sorry. When he left for lunch or dinner, he does what most drummers do, right? When you the pedal is at rest you open the, the, the wing nut at the top so that the top symbol rests on the bottom symbol and then you tighten it back up. So when you put your, take your foot off, it's resting, right? Mm-hmm. You're not engaging the spring or the, the, the whatever. So when I loosened it, however, it dropped to the floor. So the, the in middle, middle pipe went straight all the way down <laughs> and I couldn't get it to engage back up. And so... I, t- I take the symbols off and then, and I finally found that there was a middle section that had been taut. And when I loosened it, it shot the spring up and about poked my eye out. And so then I tightened that back up and then put the thing in a right position so that it, well, I could actually use it so I could test the overhead mics. It was a pretty funny little, little scene. So anyway, I don't know. I can't remember why I was telling you all that, but I, I did. Um, uh, so back to this movie. Um, so another thing that bothered me is this is the middle of the 60s, right? And I'm pretty sure, didn't we see that the fort was like in the south, like Fort George? It was in, fort, it was in Georgia or something like that, right? Is that yeah, right? yeah fort I just read that. Benning, Georgia or something? I don't remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Now, I get that these army wives are not from there. I get that. They're probably from all over the country. But I had a real hard time with this woman who did not understand the concept that when the laundromat said whites only, it meant white people. And I know the whole point of that scene was to give us that uh, the, the, the only black woman in the movie, that really great little narrative that she gave about her husband's clothes are going to be clean no matter what. Um, it seemed strange to me. It still seemed off. Did that... Did that? Am I am I alone in that? Or I, I say no because of no what? No, no, I'm not alone. Or no, it didn't bother you. Oh, sorry. No, it didn't bother me. And uh, and it, for me, it was because of uh, remember the Titans and uh, the fact that you know sunshine was pretty cool with everybody. I was like, oh, she must be from California. Actually, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. You're right. Because Sunshine doesn't understand that when they go into that restaurant, why the owner refuses to serve them. Which brings me to an important point. Gary Bertier is a time traveler. Boom. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> um, you're right. Uh, okay, so... I, I, I see what's your point, and that's actually a valid point. I didn't think about it, but for some reason, it still seemed strange to me. That, that Gary Bertier is a time traveler? I'm actually very cool with that, but that other white woman did not understand the concept of whites only. I thought that was dumb. Yeah, I'd like to take a moment to uh, to say that um, 
this was relatively short and answered very quickly. But uh, I'd, I'd really like to see what Sam would have done in the situation. <laughs> what do you mean? Like his response to you saying that. Oh, who knows? Probably make fun <laughs> of me again somehow. Uh, I don't know. He, he might have gone something weird like, uh, I don't know, who knows? He might have called me racist or something. Or Jurassic Park this. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, See, Jurassic the Park, they weren't <laughs> racist. and uh, Well, the T-Rex did eat a black dude, so you know, it's, that's, uh, to me, that's racist. Actually, it was the, the raptor ate the black dude. Oh, so, that's right. The raptor so, ate so the raptor. So they are, they are um, uh, equal opportunity eaters. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sam's not even going to listen to this episode. I guess we're okay. Yeah, yeah you're fine. He probably won't. Um, I kind of got a little tired of them kind of hammering in the whole, this is Custer's last stand. I mean, it's the 7th Army or the 7th Regiment. And how did, how did he think Custer felt and all this other stuff? I, I got a little tired of it. I mean, I understand that, that Colonel Moore is a, is a historian, a military historian. And, um, and there's certainly strong parallels to it. Um, uh, I just, I, I don't know. I got a little, a little tired of it, but it didn't really bother me that much, but whatever. Um, Uh, I, I, my, my next note was, I guess having large presentations for the regiment in front of the wives is a thing. It just seems strange. I, or maybe they just needed Mel Gibson to deliver some insp- inspirational lines in a cool setting. Um, so when he, maybe, go ahead. Oh, I was say, yeah, maybe they could just do a, a backdrop of a giant American flag, you know, cause it oh, worked for Patton. Like for Patton. Well, yeah. I just, I don't know. I guess is that a thing? Like right before we go into battle, we're going to get into our dress uniforms, right? And um, and then I'm going to deliver a message with these helicopters there and the women there. Um, I don't, it seemed I don't know. Again, it was a cool scene, but it seemed strange to me. But I guess it's a thing. I just I don't know. None of us are in the military. Um, um, I do have a buddy that's in the Navy. I guess I could ask him, but I would assume that the Modern Navy has very little to do with the 1960s Army. So, um, it also seemed strange to me that they would board the buses with their rifles. I don't know why that seemed. Yeah, that seemed dangerous. That seemed like, um, you know, one uh, a sleep Floridian that we know yeah. accident from happening. Right. <laughs> Like, yeah, I just, right, like it seemed, again, and maybe that's probably that's probably the way it is, right? Because, I mean, I guess I, we have to kind of take the movie at face value, but it seemed like one of those things that, can't we just ship them over there? You know, can we put these in a box where it's safe? Because... Um, well, you have to remember that it was 1964. You know, we, we didn't, and, and maybe maybe they still do it today, or still would do it today, but... You got to think about, you know, we didn't wear seatbelts back then and, you know, 12 year olds could smoke and all that. <laughs> I guess you're right about that. I couldn't go. Um, I guess you're probably right about that. It just seems awkward. Like, man, I, I got to sit here in this small bus seat with my M16. Seems uncomfortable. Um, Army intelligence, which is, of course, is an oxymoron. Um, that, but that bit was so, the whole. Let's, uh, let's, let's go here for just a second if you guys want to. I wanted to talk mostly just about the movie and not about what actually happened in the real life part. But let's just talk about this for a second. Hey, some, some so these you know, the Vietnamese troops came down. They didn't do any damage and then they ran away. So let's go kill them. Well, how many men are we going against? We don't know. 
Okay, that's does does no one else think that's a bad idea? I mean, and seriously, the purpose of the battle serves no purpose than other than to kill each other, right? I mean, nothing was gained. It wasn't like they were taking ground or defending people. It wasn't like the North Vietnamese were were pushing against the village of of innocent people. And the the troops went in to defend it. Like, they just went there to kill them. And we killed a bunch, and they killed some, and then we left. It just... Uh, again, it's a... I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into Vietnam and the war and the politics and stuff like that. But it just seemed really dumb to me. So, but again, Army intelligence, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think that that was a... And this is kind of delving more into what actually happened but just hearing stories of veterans that i know that were in vietnam that seems to be a trend um that they did a lot of what they did without knowing why they were doing it and without having good intelligence right well all i'll say about the war itself is it's hard to fight a belief with bullets and that's kind of what it was we were trying to fight the spread of communism with bullets um, anyway, um, uh, uh, oh, the telegram bit. Oh, that scene was rough. It's rough to watch. Um, and you kind of, you kind of get mad a little bit at the U S army for, for that's how you handled it. You can drop the ball on that one. Yeah. yeah. That just like world war two, like we were ready, right? Like we, you send a, a, you know, a staff sergeant or, you know, a military personnel and a chaplain and, you get, you know, some prayer time and some condolences, and it's like a typed letter from a person. This was a telegram from a cab dude, like, that, that the only, via Western Union. I did have a chuckle that the advertisement on the back of the car said air conditioned. Um, yeah. um, so I'm sure back then that was a big damn deal. Your, t- your tears will freeze on your face so you can keep them as a memento uh, the moment your right. <laughs> life got ruined. I, Corny, I just saw your text, by the way. So Yeah, it's um, okay. Um, but I, I know what, I think it's worth it doing. So You know, Andrew, uh, what you were uh, talking about before, you know, with uh, the, the Vietnam War and all these things that were going on, I, you know, it just um, brings to mind that... Um, that, that, that... It was a different time. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where we were going with that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was good. And and you know what we have to say? We know what war is? Well, war is... The devil. There you go. So. It's like he's here in my room. That's right. I kind of wish I had more of Chad. I really do. Um, though, in, in fairness, I do have 100 episodes I can just go back and capture. But that sounds... Oh, dude. I, w- I would pay you to go back <laughs> through 100 episodes to make commentary to a movie. That would be interesting. To just take like previously said statements and then like put them to a movie. I don't know Did, if I could do it for like an hour long episode, but it would be fun to do for like like a five minute segment. Chad didn't say that much. I know you <laughs> to, you to have an hour right. long, but not just Chad. You mean like all of us, right, Corny? No, no. I mean you just take you just take Chad. Oh, just Chad from episode one to a hundred, and then just create Chad's responses, uh, usually with a uh, suck it, Sam. Um, 
it was a different time. Just do that at random times, and that would take me weeks to do. (laughs) I I will. And at at top, that's thirty minutes worth of audio. I mean, yeah, like, (laughs) I mean, there were probably episodes where Chad spoke total of like seven minutes of the podcast. Um, yeah, but but his lines were uh, gold. They were really. They were. (laughs) Um. I think we're talking I, I, about Chad like he was actually in this war and we lost him. <laughs> yeah, I know it is funny how we do. I, I mentioned before, like, like you know, then we lost Chad. Like, no way, he's not dead. He's just he, he became a father and just like I'm not he, dead yet. Right, exactly. I feel happy. Um, <laughs> that that would be an interesting thing to have, like, like a five minute thing, like soliloquy of just Chad and his quote unquote opinion on this. So, Chad, what did you think about? Um, Sahara, and then it's just a series of clips of him making fun of Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like this idea, actually. I just wish I had time to do it. Um, What do you got, a baby or something? Yeah, just two of them, actually. Just a two of them? Okay. No, one baby and a a toddler, but, you know. Actually, Um, am I the only one in this uh, merry bunch of men that only has one? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. I win. That that you that you know of. No, I'm just teasing. College was college was fun. I mean, yeah, I, I know. I'm um, saying I had fun, but I'm just saying. Cornelius uh, uh, running around there. So, last thing I'm gonna bring up before I do some of the clips because I got eat uh, pancakes, taking names like nine, not nine, nine clips to pull. Wait, to, what? I don't nine, know. nine, nine, nine clips. Nine of them. Um. So the knoll, right? The group, the, the soldiers at the knoll, right? They, when the guy screams, I'm running out of ammo. And he says, save your, you know, one shot, one kill, you know, things like that. There was about, what, 20, 30 dead Vietnamese soldiers there. And each one of them is carrying an AK-47. At mm-hmm. what point in time do you not run around and grab some weapons? Right. And so I was wondering if there's something in like the U.S. military, you know, code of whatever that says you will use your weapon. Like you will only use your weapon because we all play black ops and, and call of duty, you know, bad guy drops a weapon. You're going to pick it up if it's a better weapon than yours. I'm not saying the AK is a better weapon than the M16, which it is by the way. But my point is, is that I, if I was those guys, you know, as these bodies are falling into our space and you're pushing them out of the way so that the smell doesn't get bad, I'm taking their weapons. I'm, I'm searching the bodies for, bandages and water and taking their I'm taking their guns and their and their grenades and whatever like I I just don't know again not not being in the military I, I don't know if maybe that they're not either allowed or maybe it's a pride thing like I don't I'm not going to use your weapon but you know if my M16's only got five rounds and that AK's got 30 I'm better believe I'm picking up that AK so that's well, just it- as the previous uh, Mel Gibson war movie has taught me, um, you know, you fire your gun, you stab somebody with an axe, you pick up another gun, shoot that person, remove the axe. Talking about the Patriot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I just assumed, you know, if I shoot you and your gun falls beside me and you got a lot more bullets, I'm gonna shoot mine until I'm out of bullets, and I'm just gonna keep shooting with your gun. I mean, I, I can't imagine that. We as a country would be like, no, nah, we're good. We won't take your weapons and shoot rounds of ammunition that we didn't have to pay for. Like, I would assume that as Americans, the first thing we go is, hey, we take all their weapons 
and just use their stuff, and mm. we're good. We just hold on to ours. Right. I would assume that we would do that. Yeah, I swear, that's why I'm wondering if there's something that says that, like, you shouldn't do that, or you can't, or anything like that, you know? If only there was some centrally located device where we could search. Yeah, only so, an interconnected series of computers that... <laughs> I'm on it. I just, I got, it was funny. You were talking about the Patriot, which reminded me, wait a minute, because I'm watching Deep Space Nine. Um, I've never watched it. The Star you sad, Trek. sad man. Well, <laughs> I have to have watched something while I'm feeding Daphne at three in the morning to help me stay awake. So I've been watching Deep Deep Space Nine and I've never watched it. And I've, I'm about 30 episodes into the series and I've seen about four good episodes. But people keep telling me on Facebook to keep sucking, you know, just, just stay with it, it gets better. And I just realized that the preacher from the Patriot is the constable from Deep Space Nine. So then I, now I'm down the rabbit hole of what other things was that guy in? And good God, he's in a lot of stuff. Um, he was in like he's been in every TV series ever. Jalen Showdown TV series. He was in the Justice League TV series, the Legend of Tarzan TV series. Um. Uh, he was in Commanding Conquer, the video game, Judging Amy, Frasier. Um, so he was in The Little Mermaid. He was Chef Louis. So anyway, um, there you go. Sorry, weird rabbit hole I went down. It's okay. has nothing to do with this movie except that you mentioned The Patriot. Um, oh, it has Mel Gibson in it. Yeah, well, so yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's your connection, I guess. And there's some shooting, and there's some death. I don't know if this movie has a Star Trek connection or not. I just, I didn't look, but um, I kind of feel like maybe Greg Kinnear would have been in. A, I was like, isn't Agent Coulson uh, in in one of these? Oh, is he think is he our Star Trek connection? Because that would be really. Really I, I, nerdy of him to have been. I want to say that, yeah, he, uh, sure, surely has. Surely, you say? <laughs> yeah, so don't call me Shirley. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Iron Man, Iron Man 2. <laughs> he was, uh, how weird is this? He was in a TV, he was in the TV series The Shield. That's kind of funny. Um, Really? No one gets the uh, the irony there? I think it's hilarious. Uh, he was in a show called a movie called Hot Sauce. That's kind of great. Uh, oh yeah, I, I forgot he was in Clear and Present Dangers. This is like our second or our third movie with him actually, because we did Avengers. No, no Star Trek for him. I I have read uh, conflicting reports, but um, just for a couple things, and it looks like yes, uh, if if the enemy had more had more of something. You would just take it if you managed to capture it. Wait, what? Or, sorry, the question we had asked whether, you know, um, our, our can, armed can, forces... Are you allowed to take an enemy's weapon? I mean, I can't say... I, I, I'm not saying yes or no, and I really don't know this, actually. We'll probably just ask and probably report next week, but um, it looks like that, that wasn't an uncommon practice. It might not be something they do now. Right. And right. I think it looks like it might be a situation where... Um, if you can't sustain, you retreat. Right. And so you don't have to worry about actually picking up, you know. If, if you're anyone who listens to this show, seriously, if you listen and you either are in the military, were in the military, or know this answer, 
I would be really curious to know if if it's the thing that you can if you can do this or if it's kind of looked down upon. I could ask my my brother-in-law, but he is in he's a missionary in Spain. I don't really have a good way to get in t- contact with him. He's a marine. That seems like a likely story. He's an assassin. Yeah. Well, he could be actually. <laughs> well, let's just not bother him then. Um or do and see what and see what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not do that. Um Oh well, anyway. Um it's just it's an interesting thing. I don't know. I just I, I find it that stuff fascinating. Um, and not that I find war fascinating, but uh, I do like war movies, but not because of the violence, but because of what they are. They're 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 great storytelling things. Um, I don't know what I'm trying. Maybe to it's say. just your maybe it's just your violent nature, and that's the way that you, uh, Thanks. you express it. Thanks, Sam. Um, <laughs> I do like war movies. I mean, some of my favorite movies of all time are war movies. Um, and I don't, again, it's not because I like the violence, though violence on, on movies and stuff is always, it's not it's nothing new. I mean, why do people like watch like watching Star Wars over Star Trek? Because it's more violent and people die more. I mean, you know, so, um, but, but you can also do a war movie without it being super graphic, you know, I mean... Um, not every movie has to be Saving Private Ryan. You can do Gettysburg and make a PG war movie, and it's phenomenal. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm a big fan of that movie, by the way, Gettysburg. The book is great, too, uh, The Killer Angels, written by Michael Shara, or Shara, if you want to pronounce it. Um, the last thing I'm going to read of the thing... Um, is so this movie does the thing that I don't like, and I've mentioned a thousand times before, which is interesting because we've only done 121 episodes. Is when a character does something out of context, out of out of character, just to give the emotion, the the audience a emotional whatever. Right. The only reason why Mel Gibson at the end of the movie knocks on the door, right, is so that we can see that there's a cab there, and 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 maybe. Because so many of those people have died that it's going to be the telegram dude. And maybe after this two hour and 15 minute long movie, you've forgotten that the opening credits said based on the book written by Hal Moore. Uh Um, Yeah, I totally missed that. Right. So, so if you've read that, then you know, well, you know, it's him, right? And who rings the doorbell to their own house, right? No one would do that. But they do it in the movie to create that last second of tension, and I kind of don't like it when it did that. It kind of bothered me a little bit. But well, she's the one ignore the doorbell when people ring. I just like, wouldn't, why wouldn't you just come in and just scream, "I'm home!" Like, oh, "Daddy's here!" Because it's late and she had a gun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if history serves my memory, uh, I know not to do that to your home. Well, that's that was that one time. <laughs> Only well, the it takes. <laughs> it only takes once. Uh, that's that's actually fair. All right, you ready for some clips? Oh yeah, hit, hit let's us. do it. All right. So again, uh, of the nine clips that I that I wrote or, or got, the majority of them are Sam Elliott because he that's has because he's kind of the comic relief of the movie. He has great one-liners. I mean, in, his entire dialogue is one-liners actually. 
Um, and he looked weird without his mustache. He just looked really strange. Anyway, here's the first one. Oh, and this is a really long clip, so I cut it. So that's why if, you, if you're if you misremembering from the movie, this scene, it's because I cut the audio anyway. You're a pilot? Too tall, sir. Yeah, I can see that. You call, we haul. So your man call you snake shit. That's an affectionate appellation of my comrades in arms, sir. Because I fly lower than snake shit. Well, I... <laughs> I didn't mean for that last bit there. Um, I like that. That was great. Too tall. Because um, that's a thing. Like, he... Being that tall, he could not have been... All right, so here, okay, so here's the thing. Here's a little secret into the life of pilots. And this I actually know because my Navy buddy is a pilot. Did you say life of pie? I did not mean to. Life of pilots. No, you, you said life of pilot. I just, you know. Okay. Uh, you're just thinking about pie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is Wednesday, free pie Wednesday at O'Charlie's. I kept hearing Custer today, and I was just like. <laughs> um, so whenever you become, whenever you're if in the military, right, whether you're the Air Force, Army, Navy, um, Marine, whatever, when you, want, you say, I'm going to be a pilot, everyone's goal is to be a fighter pilot. That's always the goal, right? So you got 100 dudes that apply to be pilots, right? And of the 100, or let's say 1,000, Thousand people that we want to be pilots. A hundred actually are like, yep, you actually can be pilots. So of that hundred, one is going to be a fighter pilot. And the other 99 have to choose different direction. Are you going to be a C-130 pilot and you know fly cargo planes, you know, basically drive a bus? Or do you want to, there are other, of course, there are other attack type airplanes and things like that. But for the most part, people want to fly the fighter jets. Or do you go with... Um, not fixed wing and go helicopter, and then of course everyone wants to be the attack helicopter, um, and then if you can't be that, then there's the other ones, which my buddy did. He he flies. It's not the Black Hawk, but it's the Navy version of the Black Hawk. It's like the larger helicopter um, that you can do rescue missions and stuff. And that's what he did. He did. He was part of the rescue missions when they had the um, tsunami in Japan. So my, my point of all that, telling you all that, is too tall is literally too tall to have been a fighter pilot. So the moment he said, I want to be a pilot, he has two options. You can either fly a bus or you can be a helicopter pilot because he's significantly too tall to be a fighter pilot. So that was kind of a, a, a funny thing. Um, this one cracks me up. It makes me laugh uh, every time. Good morning, Sergeant Major. How do you know what kind of goddamn day it is? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that one got me too. Oh, that one gets me. And Bertier is just like, whatever. So then the next one, right? The next one, which is coming up. He's so nervous. Like he trips on the pavement and he's, he's just trying to make a good impression. And then this happens. Beautiful morning, Sergeant Major. Are you a f- weatherman now? <laughs> <laughs> You gotta kind of wonder if, uh, uh, if uh, was it Donald, Keither, Con- Donald, which wait, what? Which one's this? Which one's who? Sorry, um, who is that guy? Damn it, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Sorry, I not just, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> sorry, you just had a girl. You just had a Sam oh. moment. I did, didn't I? Well, at least I, at least I knew I was wrong when I said it. Um, I wonder if he just said it. Wait a minute, that wasn't even in the, that even in the script. You're supposed to say yes, it is. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna be mean. 
Actually, same with Elliot. Everything was happened if he just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I know mean, it was tough he, yelling at everybody. Uh, yeah, he had a great um, some bit. All right, so while we're talking about the sergeant major, this is the behind, this is the deleted scene I want to talk to you about. Okay, so the there's a, a deleted scene where before we are introduced to the sergeant major, the first time we see him is that scene, the first one, that first clip we played, right? And so the radio guys, Clark Gregg, um, Greg Clark, I mean, um, and uh, the other radio guys are all kind of sitting around and they're working on their gear and they're smoking. And the guy's like, I wonder what the new colonel's going to be like. And the other guy says, it doesn't matter what he's like. It's the sergeant major. He's the one you got to worry about. And this other guy says, well, I don't know. I, the only thing I know about the sergeant major is this. So there was this other you know, unit, right? And they got a new lieutenant. So the lieutenant comes in and he's yelling at all of his sergeants. And he's like, you know, dress them up and down. And he says, I want you to go back into your bunks and get all of your medals and, and put them on. I want to see what kind of men I'm, I'm going to be leading in the battle. So they all go back and they come back and everybody's wearing their medals except for this one dude. And he's like yelling at this guy. He's like, where are your medals? Like, what kind of man are you? Did you not, have you not done anything yet? He says, I want you to go back and I want you to pin all of your medals on your chest. So the guy goes back. He comes back out. He is completely naked. 100% naked, and he has not one, but two purple hearts pinned to his bare chest. Right? So now everyone is like, whoa. And the guy says, was that our sergeant major? He says, no. Our sergeant major, or um, that guy, is scared of our sergeant major. <laughs> and then that's how they introduced the new sergeant major. So I really like that scene, and I wish it was in the movie, because it really goes to kind of show how badass the sergeant major is. So... I think that would have been a little bit too much. Oh, man, I love it. I like that one a lot. I mean, because the scene itself is great because they actually show when they're in their, the story the guy's telling, the guy literally standing there naked with two purple hearts pinned to his chest as he's bleeding there. And the, and the lieutenant then stops to salute him because, I mean, a purple heart, if, you, if you're unaware of that, that's the medal you're given if you were wounded in combat. And... The fact that he had two of them and it was still in, in active duty is, is, is super instant respect, you know. So um, you, you both respected and feared those men. Um, anyway, uh, this was kind of funny too. Again, most of my clips were all in the beginning part of the movie. Oh, yes. And one more thing, dear Lord, about our enemies. Ignore their heathen prayers and help us blow those little bastards straight to hell. <laughs> just, it just caught me off guard the first time I saw it. I was not ready for that. Um, can, you, can you see Jesus like, hey, Dad, oh, come on, man. That's not okay. Yeah, you can't say stuff like Jeezy that. Jeezy Cruzy. Don't call, don't me, call me Jeezy <laughs> Damn it. How do we always go back to Eddie Izzard? Um, we haven't done it like six episodes. So it's uh, okay. Well, we didn't do it last week, but I'm pretty sure we did it the week before. Um... Uh, phone. That was loud. Um, I, do you guys buy his accent? Did Mel Gibson do a good accent? I wasn't really sure what that accent was, but I, I felt like his accent went, it was not on the entire time. Yeah. Like it was, I didn't even think he had a, yeah, it was normal Mel Gibson for a while. And then, but I felt like as the movie went on, it was normal Mel Gibson. But yeah. at the beginning, it was like a bad, southern accent yeah 
And it's funny, Andrew, you said that. I, I don't remember if I captured this in the trivia or not, but the battle scene, they actually filmed in sequential order. Um, because there was no reason not to. Uh, you had all the extras there. You had all the guys there. You just They just film it, right? And they did that to kind of, so the actors would have a more of appreciation of what was happening to them and their characters and stuff like that so they can kind of be more into it. So as you say that, it makes... It actually kind of makes sense that Mel Gibson's just like halfway through the day. He's like, man, I'm kind of tired of this. I'm just going to pull a Princess Leia and just stop. You know? <laughs> because at the beginning of the movie, when he's talking to snake shit, like it sounds Southern, you know, like not, you know, Alabama Southern, but, you know, how people around here talk, like Shelby Southern, you know? Yeah. Um, Hold on now. Hold on. That was just for that's, you. That's pretty, that's pretty close. It's Alabama. Okay. It's a. Uh, well, so here's here's a little more of him being being. Remember my son's from uh, Shelby, and you know, oh. he's about as country as you can get. Yeah, my my three year old's from Gastonia right now, and I tell you what, his southern accent cracks me up. Um, I almost want to just move away just to get him away from it. Um, <laughs> no, don't you do that. no, dude. It's it's crazy, man. When listening to him talk, it's it's funny. Anyway, um, this was a fun little bit. What is this, sir? Nothing's wrong, except there's nothing wrong. You know, like it's almost like he's trying to channel, um, like Clint Eastwood or something, or a country version of uh, uh, oh no, I'm drawing a blank. Taking um, oh, what's his name? Liam Neeson. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, just. What is this, sir? Nothing's wrong, except there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Um. Uh. This was. I don't um, have any money. Uh, so. Two. There were two moments in the movie that I am not ashamed to admit that I got emotional. Even having seen this movie as, as many times as I had. Preach. And, and I watched this movie. In my office yesterday at work, and. I actually had to shut the door because there's a part at the end of the movie that fiz- like really is gut-wrenching and I had to shut the door because frankly I didn't want to see my students to see me you know, basically sobbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the first moment that gets me, right? So it's they've rescued the knoll, right? And you know the guys are just sitting there and they are exhausted and this happens. That's a nice day, Sergeant Savage. I don't know if you can hear it with the music being loud, but could you, yeah. could you hear what he says? Yeah. It just gets me. Like, I don't, I don't know why that, that particular moment, but that, that's the one that got me the first time. Um, really got me. The, the, the one that gets me at the end of the movie is, uh, so Mel Gibson is standing there in front of the, the, the uh, reflecting wall, right? The... Um, the, the, the memorial and the third panel uh, west is just that battle right and then they put the actual names of all the men that died in that battle and I this happened it happens every time it's, it happened in the theater and it happened this time the single trumpet is playing the tune right uh, is basically playing um, it's called something it's called the memorial or it's, it's called something that was that is actually used in the military right and it happened to me when the names are coming up, right? 
and there's a name from High Point, North Carolina, which is where I'm from. And it hits me like a freaking, you know, you know, brick that this is real. Like these were real men who died for, who, who, you know what I'm saying? Like it became personal because it was from my hometown. And then I instantly connected to that person. And it, every time it just gets me emotional and I can't handle it. So I say bravo to the filmmakers of this movie for doing that because you, you made me uncomfortable and that's what you were supposed to do. So uh-huh. that was one thing they got. They did really well. It, I mean, it gets me every time. So, uh, so there was that. Um, uh, time for a little more brevity. Can't take no pictures lying down there, Sonny. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> and he carried a pistol. Like, he didn't use yeah. an assault rifle. He just carried a pistol. Yeah. He says, oh, it's a bunch of plastic. He says, you think you're going to, then he's going to be close enough for you to use that pistol? What do you think? I just love that. That was great. And then the best line in the movie, in my opinion. I wonder what was going through Custer's mind when he realized he led his man into a slaughter. Sorry, Custer was a pussy. <laughs> you ain't. I love that, man. I love it. Uh-huh. Custer was a pussy. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I did write down a few tropes. Uh, let's plan this dramatic thing to be dramatic, you know. So, like, uh, when he says, uh, "This will be our horse," and then the helicopter comes in and does a touch and go, and then leaves, like. How did you know I want to do that? You know, with the, all right. So I'm going to walk in. I want you to count to a hundred, and then you're going to come in and do the helicopter thing. So hopefully my speech will coincide directly with what you need to do. Okay. All right. Good. Go. Uh, training montage. I guess that gives that deserves a good um um uh, thing. Here we go. Sorry. There you go. Training montage. Uh, crazy reporter. Barry Pepper's character. Crazy reporter. Uh, um, hand out of the dirt to signify life. You know, Sergeant Savage and his hand comes up. You know, it's a trope. Um, I actually don't like that trope. That trope kind of sucks and can actually go away. I'm kind of tired of that trope. Uh, and the press are all assholes. Even, yeah, in a, are. even in this movie, we got to find a way to make fun of the press and, and show that they're assholes. Mm-hmm. So this horrible war that you were in, what do you think about the game? Like, that's basically what it was, right? Like, so what do you think about the men that you, that, you know, like, what? Go away. Why are you here? Can, can I not like go back home and cry and take a shower and get over what happened? And then we can talk, right? Just whatever. Press or assholes. Um, that's it. That's all I got from that. Um, do you guys have anything you want to add before we move on to trivia? No. No? I'm good. Good? Horny? Bertier is a man. All right. And now for some more bad news. Ready? Also, before we go there, I just want to say, uh, Corny, this reminded me of you. The episode of DS9 I watched like two episodes ago, two nights ago, it reminded me basically of like Children of the Corn meets Star Trek. You son of a... <laughs> um, basically what happens is like they, they land, they go down to this planet and they all technology doesn't work. And so they're basically stuck with these people that have this kind of weird hierarchy system. Um, and they're like living in the fields. And I'm like, holy crap, this is like children of the corn. It was very strange. And of course, they were able to 
leave and blah, 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 blah. But it just kind of reminded me of that. So, no, I'm not going to play the Malachi clip, so you're fine. Okay? Just I don't trust you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I promise. Um, anyway, trivia. Um, all right. Uh, this is actually kind of uh, sad. One of the real-life officers who survived the battle was Lieutenant Rick um, Rescorla. Rescorla. I'm sorry. I'm pronouncing your name wrong, sir. I apologize. Who was the main figure on the cover of General Moore's book on which the movie was based. A biography of Mr. Guy, Rescorla, uh, was very interesting life, and his book was published in the mid-2000s called Heart of a Lion. He died in the 9-11 attacks while employed as head of security for Morgan and Stanley while making sure all of the company's employees had gotten out of the World Trade Center, which they had. Wow. So he died doing his job, and he did it well. So that's pretty sad and awesome kind of at the same time. Yeah. Um, the photographer Joseph Galloway married the daughter of Captain Thomas Mesker, who is Metzger, who is um, Agent Colson, who gave up his seat on the chopper to the soldier who was more wounded and then was shot. So he'd married huh. that guy's daughter. So which leads me to ask the question, how old was, you know, Agent Colson in the movie that that guy could marry his daughter? I mean, I guess there's probably some age difference there, but anyway, uh, the closing music, I mentioned this, the closing music, Mansions of the Lord, has been the become the unofficial army funeral hymn, uh, and it was used at the recessional at President Ronald Reagan's funeral. Um, uh, according to American sniper Chris Kyle, who did the American sniper movie and book, this film is shown to U.S. Navy Special Forces recruits to inspire them before they begin Hell Week stage of their SEAL training. I find that very interesting. Uh huh. Um, that they uh, show. Fun. Go ahead. Oh, I said fun fact. Uh, I have a friend who's uh going into uh, uh going to the Navy, and uh, he is hoping that he will um, go seal. So I'll, uh, I'll be very curious to see. Yeah. I was asking yeah. that. Most of the, the, most movies don't film in chronological order, but uh, they did that in this. I told you that already. And the last thing I wrote was this, or I got was this. Uh, and this is again, sad and speaks to the, the, that war is in fact, hell. The real Joseph Galloway stepped out of the movie theater doing a scene saying, quote, that was my nightmare for 36 years and I don't want to see it again. Um, the, the wow. other, uh, there was one that I didn't capture, but I just remembered reading that kind of just gave me chills, is that they had that guy, Joseph Galloway, on set. And when the actor playing uh, to, oh, crap, I'm going to say his name right. Um, Barry Pepper? No, not Barry Pepper. The um, I want to make sure I say his name right. He was the guy. He was the. He was like, "Hey, I'm having a baby today." Nakayama, Jimmy Nakayama. He said yeah, when yeah. he met the actor, he couldn't look at him because it hurt so much to like even look at the actor portraying the man that he watched die and get burned to death, and he had to he had to walk away. It was huh. it was too. It brought back too much real for him. So, speaking of uh, brought back too much, how about the uh, 
grabbing him by his legs and his skin oh, coming off. God, man, that still makes my my. Oh, like it's been hours since I've seen that, and I I literally just got goosebumps thinking right, about no, that. Just, I, ho- I hope you weren't gonna say it makes my skin crawl because you know <laughs> that I would have been a poor choice of words. Yeah, I almost did. Uh, I had to. <laughs> it's funny. I I almost did too corny. I was like, oh, it makes my skin feel awful. <laughs> Um, okay, so speaking of terrible things that might have been said, I actually did do one of those things the other day. Uh, I was at work, and my right knee's been giving me some issues. And um, I uh, go around, you know, I go around to a desk to grab something, and so I go, "Man, my legs are really killing me." I turn around, and there's a guy who has had his legs amputated, sitting in a wheelchair behind me when I turn, and I was like, "Ah." Oh, Oh no! Right, I just kind of walked on. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't do it out of a joke. I mean, just my knee is actually killing me. But... Right, and then what can you say at that point? You know. So I just pushed him out of the chair, and I was like, "You know what? <laughs> Stop it! It's not gonna, it's not gonna get any worse, pal." <laughs> oh wow. Well. Um. Okay. I did not. I did not do that, folks. I, I know. Soundtrack great. I just said it was great and emotional. I just. I yeah. thought it was great. I, I'm not gonna ever buy it because he would probably make me cry as I'm listening to it. Um, what did I learn? Where well, I learned is war is hell, and that this movie should have made way more money because it was um, actually a pretty great movie, I think. Um, there you go. Um, top three war USA war movies. I had forgotten when we first started to do this that we had already done Vietnam movies because of Good Morning Vietnam, um, which is good because I've only seen basically three Vietnam war movies. Um, <laughs> Um, and this counts as one of them. Um, uh, in fact, my third was actually going to be a stretch and say Forrest Gump. So uh, I'm glad we're not using those. So instead, we're just going to say movies that are based with, uh, that have the United States, uh, United States wars, wars that the United States fought in. So movies that are based on wars that the United States fought in. I hope I've explained that well enough. So uh, uh, Andrew, you lead off. Okay. Uh, I have a couple of honorable mentions here. Um, the, I guess one of my favorite Cold War movies, uh, Spies Like Us. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Honorable mentions there. And then number three, Bridge of Spies, which I just recently saw with Tom Hanks. It's good, isn't it? Very good movie. Yeah. Um, number two, Memphis Bell. Oh, that's such a good movie. And I had forgotten about it, actually, until I was looking at my lists. And I used to watch it all the time. Yeah. Um, that, that, that scene when they're having to hand crank down the wheel so they can land is oh, yeah. actually, like, really well done and super intense. And it was the last good movie Billy Zane was in. Yes, it was. And then number one um, would actually be this one if if I was not going to play by the rules. But um, I, I really like this movie. Uh, but I'm going with Lincoln as number one. I've not seen that. I need to watch that. It's very good. All right. Um, I and I, I'm, it makes me happy that you say that because I'm afraid to say who actually told me this because people that know them listen to the show. But I was told by people that it was a terrible movie and it's slow because it's not about the war. It's just about Lincoln. And I'm like, right. well, that's. That's why you get Daniel Day-Lewis to play Abraham Lincoln, so you can make it about him. Anyway. Yeah, I thought it was a very good movie. So I'm, I'm interested in, in watching it. Uh, Corny. 
Uh, yes. What's up? This is where you tell us your top three <laughs> movies. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number three. Um, actually, can I can I do Enemy of the Gates? Is that the allowed? Well, it's World War Two, but it, the movie is not about the U.S. involvement. Okay. So no. All right. Fine. Mm. All right. Uh, my number three is Jarhead. All right. All right. <laughs> my number two. I want to go with Three Kings. However, does that, does that, does that work? Does yeah, that yeah, yeah. Me, uh... I mean, Desert Storm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, an honorable mention of Platoon. Okay. Because oddly enough, it was like one of the first really hard movies I've seen, and um, and number one for Saving Private Ryan. All right. Uh, cool. Um, my so I. <laughs> How about you, Sean? <laughs> I just realized one of my honorable mentions doesn't count because it, it's based off of a fake war that the U.S. is involved in, so I can't use Crimson Tide. But um, I told you to let it go fake. Um, I... No, I'm okay because I got plenty of other ones. So honorable mention of Flags of Our Fathers. Um, Clint Eastwood directed. Um, I read the book. The book is phenomenal. And um, there's a great quick story about it. Um, the, the movie, if you guys, have you seen that movie? Either one of you seen that movie? I have not. Corny? Oh, sorry. What was that? Flags of Our Fathers? I have not. The movie is about, and the book is about the Battle of Iwo Jima, right? And the seven dudes, if you, we've all seen it, right? The, the seven guys raising the flag. Yeah. The seven Marines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's about them, right? And it's about that battle. Well, that particular moment in time was basically an accident, right? They they had when they 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 invaded the island and they took the hill first, right? So they thought that the battle was over, and all that crap on the the, the surface is that is plumbing so that the the Japanese soldiers could have water, fresh water when it rained. So someone had put a flag up on on top. And then someone else said, some general was like, hey, why don't you guys go put a big flag up there, right? Go put a bigger flag so we can see it, right? So then they run this big flag up there. And so these guys were like, hey, this we attached it to this pipe. It's really heavy. Help me lift it. So they were just putting this pipe in place. And this photographer just got the picture of the century while they were doing it, which would later basically become the rallying cry behind the Marines. So anyway, it's a really great movie. Um... Um, and I don't want to get too much farther away from where we're supposed to go, but there's a, a story about that movie is that Iwo Jima is the island that they that we invaded and we were there for a long time. It took a long time to take because so much of the fighting with the Japanese were underground and horrible, horrible things. But the islands next to it is called Chichijima, and they had to do bombing runs on it. And there's another book that I read um, about these six pilots who were shot down during their bombing runs and or seven pilots that were shot down six of them had to land and parachute onto the island the seventh went out to sea a little bit and was rescued by a submarine and it was noted that there was on the island japanese officers said to a pilot like you guys risked a submarine to save that one pilot and he said yeah that's what we're that's what we do in america we we risk our lives for each other because that's the right thing to do. And he said, Japanese army, we would just, you just drown. We're not going to risk a boat to save one man. That man they saved was George Bush. Um, he, was, hmm. he was a pilot during World War II. So anyway, 
Okay, there you go. There's that. Um, yeah. Um, so that's my number three. Sorry for the long story. Uh, my other honorable mention is Empire of the Sun. Uh, oh, with yeah. a very young Christian Bale. Um, it's a good World War II movie. Um, I will be Batman. My number three is Glory with the Denzel and the Matthew Broderick. It's a really, really oh. fine movie. And uh, Damn it, damn it, damn it. What? That you didn't think of that one? That should have been my number one. It's such a great movie. Uh, number two is Gettysburg. Um, I mentioned earlier, again, phenomenal film. Uh, when Jeff Daniels screams bayonet, it gives me chills. And number one, I put Saving Private Ryan. So uh, that's it. That's our that's our thing. Um, I don't think we have any emails uh, unless Sam has sent another fake one to us, which I don't think he um, has done. He did. He did actually. No, he didn't. Did he really? Yeah, he did. I mean, no, he didn't. Chris Teller's did. Oh wait. Oh, thanks. No, I'm not actually not mine. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Did you send that, or was that was that? It's from an iPhone, so that was Sam, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it can't be me. Yeah, because it's from an iPhone. That's hilarious. Sam actually sent an email, and all it says is "suck it, Sean." So, <laughs> what an asshole! You know, it'd um, be great if it were me that I just found an iDevice that I could just do this with. Um. So send us your course, your emails at to jeepseatreviews at gmail dot com. Um, out of ten, Andrew. I enjoyed this. I'm gonna give it a let's go eight point seven. Oh wow, okay. All right, Corny. Uh, sorry, I have to see what the IMDb gave. I did not have that page up. Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it an 8.2. I was actually very pleased with the movie. All right. Even though Mel Gibson lived. <laughs> you just don't like Mel Gibson. I think so. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm a big fan, so I'm just going to kind of like go right in the middle where you guys were. I'm just going to say 8.5. I, I like this movie a lot. Uh, I think it's great in the fact that it's uh, it really depicts how awful war is, so... There you go. Um, that's it. That's uh, that's our show. Um, what are we doing next week? Well, according to the list, now, as I record this, and the, as as you are hearing this, it's July. But as we record this, it's still June. So we've got a bunch of movies that are they're coming up that I don't know if they're still going to be streaming because as we get to a new month, things change. I do know that um, Netflix is pulling all of the Star Trek movies, so we will not get to do Star Trek Five in a few weeks. Um, oh, so I'm actually really bummed out about that. So um, instead, I will put something equally cheesy in there. Um, so next week, we're uh, if if it's streaming, we will do the Forbidden Kingdom, um, which is the uh, Jackie Chan. Jet I don't Lee. think we should do that. It's forbidden. Uh, <laughs> Jackie Chan, Jet Li, <laughs> uh, kick flick, and then after that, uh, we will do Sahara. Um, I'm a fan. And then after that, we'll be... Um, all um, right, all right. That's right. All right, all right. After that, will be our first of our um, uh, gentlemen who did the $25 donation on our GoFundMe account, and uh, we will watch uh, Godzilla Final Wars. Who's that with, Sean? That's, that's Big uh, Big Mike. Big Mike? Uh, big Mike Antonucci. So, um, 
And then after that, um, I think after that, I, I get a, I haven't finalized his schedule yet, but after that will be uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, discussion with listener Alan, who has been sending me messages for the last two weeks, yelling at me that I am that we've been making fun of that movie and we haven't seen it yet. So, uh, uh, Andrew recently purchased it, so I will watch it finally so that we can have discussions about it. So you can and I, I may be on, uh, on his side, Alan's side, what? yeah. I may be on his side, yeah. All right. So, um, so you said you watched the you bought the extended version, right? I did. So, I've heard that uh, version makes a lot more sense. Well, yeah, it made sense to me, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. So, I'm I'm interested to see what what happens. Um, there you go. So that's what we're doing next week. Um, out of the winner. Um, there you go. That's I'm just going through my script, make sure I've said everything <laughs> I'm supposed to say to. Uh, Sam was a jerk. Sam was a jerk, and he can he can suck it. Uh, so that, that's it. That's gonna do it. So um, thanks for listening. Um, you may of course leave us a review on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, so for those of you who have the Android devices, uh, you may listen finally on Google Play. So do that. Um, you may visit our website cheapseatreviews.com. Uh, once Sam gets back from vacation, he'll actually update the website. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cheap seat reviews. Follow us on Twitter at cheap seat cast. I am at Sean J. Allred. Sam is at Suniji 16. Corny is at Johnny Darker 16. And Andrew is at a Jimison. You may send us your emails to cheap seat reviews at gmail.com. Please send us your emails. I like the emails. I just, I like reading them. I want, I just basically want to know that a, you are listening. People are listening and that your phones just aren't on auto download. Um, and B, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know what movies you want us to do. If if there's a movie that you want us to do that isn't streaming, but maybe it's in Redbox, you know, I think we can all spend a buck to go watch it. Um, so I just let us know what you want us to do. This, this show is about what you guys want to do, and partially what I want to do. Um, I'm just teasing. No, actually, I'm not teasing at all. Um, that's actually pretty accurate. Um, so there you go. So uh, call and of course you can leave us a voicemail: seven zero four two seven one four two nine zero. So on behalf of uh, Corny, Andrew, um, not Sam because he can suck it, this is Sean saying thank you for listening, (laughs) Uh, good night, and we'll see you next week for the Forbidden Kingdom. Maybe. Maybe.